So today we're continuing with our series, Finding Joy. We've been looking at and exploring uh, how can we be intentional to experience joy in our lives and throughout our lives, right? Joy, joy is kind of this base note. This is what Rob Bell says. Rob says, joy is the base note of your life, right? Other emotions are the treble, right? They go up and down, but joy seems to carry us through the happy times and the sad times uh, and, and can be a constant in our lives. That we, we did the drive, uh, drive-in service earlier this morning. It's gotten kind of cold, which reminded me that uh, we're coming to the time of year where everyone's going to have to decide the most difficult and maybe divisive question in your household, even with yourself. When do you turn the heat on? And what temperature do you put the thermostat at? Now, I, I have some rules for myself, um, and I thought this was a really great meme that kind of depicted it. Before turning the heat on, do you have socks on? Yes. Long sleeve shirt? Yes. Pants on? Yes. I would add sweater as well. Yes. Do you see your breath? No. Then no heat is allowed. <laughs> and then if you're not wearing any of that stuff and you can't see your breath, you just go put all that stuff on. I would even add, um, if you can see your breath, add, add a toboggan, you know. Let's, let's keep the heat off as long as possible. Uh, that, that's how I lived. And then I got married and I realized, oh, Danny, Danny likes things a little warmer than I like things, especially in the car, especially in the car. Uh, but at the house, so we have to navigate how we're going to keep, where are we going to keep the temperature? And I learned I have to be generous with the heat. <laughs> I have to be generous. And, and generosity, I think, is a really interesting thing. I think it's that we become more generous as we get older. You, know, you remember when you were a kid, uh, if you had siblings, life growing up was probably something like this meme that someone posted, right? Growing up with siblings, you got to measure everything. Cut the sandwich exactly in half, pour the same amount of fluids, right? Just make sure everyone has the same thing. I remember in my household, uh, we would have to split a can of soda. So uh, the first person would have the glass, the other person would get the can, and you'd pour it into the glass. Is that, is that half? Um, it's close. And the other person, you say, yeah, that's half. The other person would say, let me check. <laughs> Grab the can. No, not quite half. I need a little more. You know? uh, because we, we wanted our fair share. You cut a piece of cake, it better have the same kind of icing decoration on top or something that kind of evens out in the end, right? It was, but we thankfully grew out of that. Right? Thankfully, we became more generous uh, with each other. And I think, I think the reason I know we get more generous as we get older is because, because of grandparents. Grandparents are just the most generous of all people because a little kid calls grandpa a random name and Peepo becomes his name for the rest of his life. You know, it's just till the day you die, your name is now Peepo. You might as well put it on the gravestone, right? Peepo, even your own kids then call you this name. And grandparents are so happy to do it. It brings them joy that their grandchild would give them a name and they'll change their name completely. I say, oh, wow, we really, we really become more generous as we get older. And what a gift that is, right? And we know that generosity brings us this joy, that being generous and helping others, it brings us joy. This has been wisdom for a long time, and it's wisdom in our Bible. Throughout the scripture, um, there's wisdom that speaks to this, and we have several different books we call wisdom literature. One of those is the book of Proverbs, and it's kind of um, short little sayings that people would say, and they've been written down and captured. And we're going to look at uh, two of those verses today. It comes from Proverbs uh, chapter 11, and we're going to put it up on the screen, and what I want to invite you to do is say it with me at home, and as we say it, pay attention to what the author is trying to get us to notice about ge being generous, what happens when we're generous, right? Those who give generously receive more, 
but those who are stingy with what is appropriate will grow needy. Generous persons will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. May God add a blessing to the hearing, the reading, and the living out of this scripture. So did you notice what the author of Proverbs is saying? Basically, the, those who are generous get more. Those who, those who are generous prosper, right? And in a sense, uh, whatever you give, you get back more. Now, I, I think we have to challenge that a little bit and push back and consider that um, because when my brother was like 10 years old, he found a $100 bill in the grocery store. And can you imagine finding a $100 bill? He was so excited. My older sister said, well, we need to take that back to the manager because somebody probably lost that and they're probably missing it. So they took it back to the manager. The manager said, oh, yeah, yeah, there was a cashier that lost $100. It fell out of his drawer. So he gave the $100 back. And the manager said, we're going to call you later. We want to give you a reward. So he goes home and he gets a phone call and he comes back to the store and they give him this platter of uh, powdered donut holes. <laughs> he comes back to the house and he says, Joel, I should have kept the $100. This is garbage. <laughs> right? Because in his mind, I, I was generous. I gave them the $100. My reward should be huge. Instead, just a pile of donuts. This isn't worth it. Yeah. So, so sometimes we buy into this idea, which we find in other passages of Scripture, that the more you give, the more you get, right? The, the more generous you are, the more you prosper. So much so that that gets used sometimes uh, in, in very unhealthy ways, in ways that are manipulative. Uh, I, I know a guy who he started a business, and he, he really wanted it to be successful. He wanted to thrive, and he wanted to make money from it. And he came across a church and a pastor who was saying, hey, if, if you send money to us, God will bless you. God, God will make you rich. God will help your business succeed. God will do all these things. And so he started sending money. And he would get notes from the pastor. And he said, we're praying for you. We're praying that God will, will bless you and, and make your business successful. And he'd send more money. And this would go on for a little bit until the day that the pastor was arrested for fraud and put in prison. And it was a hard lesson that he learned that Maybe it's not the more you give, the more you get. Is that how it works out? That, that the more money you give, the more money you get, the more stuff you give, the more stuff you get. And you start to realize maybe, maybe these kinds of scriptures mean something else. Because we know that money and things, they don't bring us joy, they don't bring us happiness. We know that's true. And so over the years, what we found is not just the wisdom from scripture, but the wisdom from what science has learned for us. And so back in 1978, there was a landmark study that was done. And the study, what it did is it, it learned that people who have won the lottery, they are not significantly happier than people who have been in an accident and become paralyzed. People who won the lottery are not significantly happier than people who have been in accidents and paralyzed. We know that money doesn't bring us joy. Money doesn't make us happy. Money and things don't make our lives better. And this study kicked off this understanding, and many studies were done afterwards to say that uh, we have a baseline of joy and happiness, that each person, each of us, we just have a place where we, where we are, where we rest, a resting point. And that, sure, we can, we can get more money, we can win the lottery, something great like that can happen, and we'll have more happiness or joy for a moment, and then we're going to come back down and rest in that baseline, that spot where we're settled. 
Now, more research has been done on this, and uh, the, the researcher who's moved it forward is Sanja Libomirsky. And she suggests that 50% of our happiness, 50% of our happiness is fixed in this baseline because that comes from our genes that the parents pass on to us and family members pass on uh, and, and just our temperament in general. So we have this spot where we rest, but she says the other 50% we can negotiate. The other 50% is flexible. The other 50% can change. And she gives three ways that that can change. This is what she suggests. And last week we talked about the first way, reframing the struggles and the difficulties you go through. Right? Looking at them in a different way and saying, I can grow from this, I can learn from this. In some way there's a blessing in here for me that God is doing good things out of the bad things. And so she says, this is, this is one of the ways we reframe and we increase our joy in life. So we're gonna talk about the third way next week, but this week I want to focus on the second piece, which is being generous and kind, caring for others. She says, doing this increases our joy and, and we know it's not about money and it's not about things. It's about helping other people and being generous. And so we know all this and we've known all this, uh, but what I wanna do is go through and give you some of the more recent scientific research that's been done to tell you how generosity affects us and why it's so important. And then I'll end with a, with a few stories. So Richard Davidson is a neuroscientist who's done a lot of neuroimaging research. So he's looked at uh, images of the brain, he's done brain scans, and what he's found in doing this research is that we all have this independent brain circuit in our brain that is just based on generosity. We have a brain circuit strictly for generosity, and it lights up when you do things that are generous. It lights up when someone does something generous for you, and it even lights up when you watch someone else do something generous, which is why we love these videos on social media, right, of someone doing something nice for somebody else. It makes us happy to watch it. It gives us joy to watch it. So it's like eating a piece of chocolate without gaining the calories. <laughs> chocolate makes you happy. Well, guess what? So is generosity. What a gift that is to know that we are literally wired. God has created us in a way that generosity is a core piece of who we are and brings us joy. So some other studies have been done, um, and one of those is one by Elizabeth Dunn from the University of British Columbia. And she, what she did, she gave uh, participants, all these participants, money. And she split half of them up and said, spend money on yourself. She split the other group. Uh, the other group she split, she said, spend money on somebody else. The people who spent money on somebody else were significantly happier than those who had spent money on themselves. Which suggests something. It suggests that money can actually buy happiness, but only if you spend it on somebody else. Because we're wired to experience joy when we're generous. The same kind of study was done with older adults. And uh, what happened is they split them in half, some spent the money on themselves, others spent money on others, and they found in these older adults, those who spent money on others had lower blood pressure than those who had spent money on themselves, right? That there are even health benefits. Our body is wired to receive a blessing from being generous, not just joy, but physical benefits from being generous. One study even went so far as to say that volunteering reduces the risk of death by 24%. Which makes me wonder, how often are we volunteering? Right? That, that there's joy in us that needs to be expressed. It's also been found that just thinking about helping other people, just thinking about it, starts boosting your immune system and preparing your immune system. You haven't even acted yet. Just thinking about it starts gearing, gearing it up and getting it ready. Right? 
So we are literally wired to be generous. This is what God has created us to be. And when we're generous, when we help others, there is this piece of when you bless others, you receive a blessing. Maybe even more so. Maybe not in a, a material way, but in a re- very real physical way, in a very real mental way, in a very real spiritual way. And so um, the other thing is, is if we're wired to be generous, if our bodies respond in these ways when we're generous and they make us healthier and happier, then what happens when we are not generous? And research has been done on that too. So Larry Sherwitz found that people who more frequently say, I, me, and mine, people who more frequently say, I, me, or mine, have a higher risk of having a heart attack and that the heart attack is deadlier if they do have a heart attack. He calls this, he terms it a self-involvement. That this is this self-involvement with ourself causes us harm, right? We, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, this kind of idea that we are self-centered, not, but we are centered on ourselves, right? The self-involvement. And so Sherwood's found that the so-called self-involvement is a better predictor of, get this, it's a better predictor of death than smoking, high cholesterol, or high blood pressure. The language you use, the if you're focusing on yourself or somebody else, it's a better predictor of death than smoking, cholesterol, or high blood pressure. And the more recent study by the researcher Johannes Zimmerman found that people who more often use first singular words, uh, pronouns like I, me, mine, right, uh, as opposed to plural, like we and us, that those who use ones focused on themselves are more depressed than people who use language. And, and so it's not about the language, right? It's about actually how you view the world, how you're experiencing life, and that tends to come out in our language. So pay attention to how you're moving and working and speaking and talking, but really what all this boils down to is we're made to be generous. And when we're not generous, when we're not helping others, it has a negative impact on us. The proverb said, right, those who withhold, those who are stingy, it makes them poor. It hurts us when we are stingy. It hurts us when we're not generous. And it blesses us when we are. And it blesses other people when we are. Right? And, and because we're all in this together, it matters how we're living our lives. The more generous we are, the more blessed everybody is. The less generous we are, the more struggling, the more, the more difficulties, the more pain everyone's experiencing together. Right? That this is how we're built and wired. And so to be too self-focused makes us unhappy. Now, there's some of the research I want you to know about. Let me, let me just tell you three quick stories. So this is James Dottie. This is a picture of him. Uh, he is the founder and director of the Center of Compassion and Altruism Research and Education at Stanford. He was a full-time neurosurgeon, um, and years earlier, he had made a fortune as a medical technology entrepreneur. He was worth like $75 million. And during that time where he had all this money, he went ahead and took $30 million in stock and said, I'm going to give this to charity. This is reserved for charity. And then the stock market crashed and he lost everything and went completely bankrupt. Except for that 30 million in stock. And when he talked to his lawyers, his lawyers said, well, you can, you can have that money. You know, people are going to understand that your circumstances have changed and you need to take that back. And, uh, you know, he had this conversation with them and, and this is what he said. 
He said, one of the persistent myths in our society is that money will make you happy. Growing up poor, I thought that money would give me everything I didn't have. Control, power, love. When I finally had all the money I'd ever dreamed of, I discovered it had not made me happy. And when I lost it all, all my fake friends disappeared. At that moment, I realized the only way that money brings happiness is to give it away. So he gave away that $30 million. And in losing everything, he gained joy. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go give away uh, all your money. I mean, maybe I am suggesting that. I don't know. Um, James did it, right? But I think one of the things we have to realize is that remember this baseline of joy, baseline of happiness. It doesn't increase just because you do one thing, even $30 million. It doesn't stay, it will always go back. And so the key is, can you be consistently generous, intentionally generous every single day? That this is what increases our joy, that this is where we find the joy in making this a, a regular practice in our lives. And this is what Anthony Ray Hinton, Hinton learned. This is a picture of him. Now, you may know him because he was on 60 Minutes some years ago. Uh, Anthony, he spent 30 years on death row for a crime he didn't commit. He lived in Alabama, worked in a factory, working in a locked factory during the time the crime was committed. Uh, he was still accused. And when the police arrested him, they told him, the police did, that the reason you're going to jail is because you're black. He spent 30 years of his life in a five-by-seven cell in, in solitary confinement, let out of the cell one hour a day. And he was livid. He was furious. He was heartbroken over the injustice, over the failures of the court system, over everything that had gone wrong in his life. And this is what he said. He said, when no one believes a word you say, eventually you stop saying anything. I didn't say good morning, I didn't say good evening, I didn't say how do you do to anyone. If the guards needed some information from me, I wrote it down on a piece of paper. I was angry. He did this for four years, not speaking to anyone. And then he says this, but going into the fourth year, I heard a man in the cell next to mine crying. The love and compassion I had received from my mother spoke through me and asked him what was wrong. He said he just found out that his mother had passed away. I told him, look at it this way. Now you have someone in heaven who's going to argue your case before God. And then I told him a joke. And he laughed. Suddenly my voice and my sense of humor were back. For 26 long years after that night, I tried to focus on other people's problems. And every day I did, I would get to the end of the day and realize I hadn't focused on my own. That for Anthony, the gift came when he no longer focused on himself. That, that he found joy in being generous and kind and caring for others. And while he was there over those 30 years, 54 men and women would walk past his cell to be executed. And what he did is he marshaled up everyone else who was there to root for them, to cheer for them, to let them know they were loved. And this is what he said. He said, I discovered on death row that other inmates had not had the unconditional love that I had had from my mother. We became family. 
We didn't know if they had any other family or friends there, so we were banging the bars, saying to those who were being put to death, we're with you. We still love you right up to the end. An innocent man for 30 years on death row, watching 54 people walk by, is willing to be generous and care and have compassion for others. And that carried him through one of the most difficult places on earth. Everyone, everyone adored him, even the guards. Even the guards said to his lawyer, get him out of here, get him out of here. And finally, the Supreme Court unanimously agreed to release him. I don't know if he would have gotten through if he didn't have that generosity that gifted him that joy, that gifted everyone else that joy and carried them all through such difficult times. And I love his story for so many reasons, but because he had to be intentional every single day to do it, every single day, that it kept bumping up his base level of joy to bring him back up, to bring him back up higher and higher and higher. And so what are you doing every day to intentionally do this? Let me tell you just one, one more story. So this is a picture uh, that was posted on Instagram on the Good News Movement. And uh, this young man, Julian, he goes to the skate park and he skates and, and loves skating. And this woman, every year, goes and buys a skateboard on the same day and goes to that skateboard and gifts a skateboard to somebody. And she does it because her son loved a skateboard. And when he died 10 years ago, she chose one of the ways she would live her life is to be intentional every year on his birthday to give a skateboard to somebody and to spread joy, the joy her son had to somebody else and it brings her joy. There are so many ways we can do this. How are you choosing to be intentional with how you live your life? How are you choosing to live in this body that is wired to be generous, that wants it, that thrives on it, and that in blessing other people, we bless the whole world, including ourselves? This is our call. This is how we've been created. This is what God wants from us. This is the wisdom of Proverbs. This is the wisdom of Jesus' own life and how he lived. Always caring for other people, always thinking of other people. You wonder how people can do it. You wonder how doctors and nurses and teachers and police officers and first responders, all these people, they do it because they, they're being generous and it gives them joy and it allows to keep them going. Right? This is our call. And so our, our prayer is that we can live like this every day, even in these difficult, difficult times. Not just so we can selfishly experience joy, but so that we can all experience joy together. We can all live in this world and be more of who God has created us to be. And so I'm going to invite you to put your, your hands in your lap, palms up, and, and let's say a prayer together. God, we are so grateful for all the ways you have blessed us, all the ways you've created us, that, that you have hardwired us to thrive on generosity. That you have connected joy in our life with, with blessing others. Help us to be intentional to live this way. Help us to be a blessing to those around us, and in doing so, bless ourselves in the process. Help us 
all work together to raise each other up to this higher level, this higher standard, this higher way of being that you call us to. And so we offer this prayer and the prayer of our hearts to you through Christ. Amen.